Tyler, lock the doors, turn up the radio, strap yourself in. Because it's time for the Matt Wyatt Show. The guy who's the color commentator for Mississippi State football and SEC baseball. So, yeah, he brings a lot to the game. And he's right here. Right now. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. Woo! Woo is right. <laughs> Everybody, Woo. <laughs> woo is me no that's woe that's woe woe is me woo is a good thing woe not so good hey everybody welcome into the show on this wednesday in the bureau the farm bureau insurance studio farm bureau insurance go with the home team they are your home team see i tried to get y'all to jump off sides blue 88 red 19 go <laughs> So go! <laughs> and then... Uh, no, we, we're not throwing any penalty flags. Uh, we're just... We're pedal to the metal here on this Wednesday with you. Welcome into the show. Bill is here. I'm here. We can have a show, but thank goodness you're here. We can really have a show. So uh, grab a chair, pull on up to the table, and join us in the conversation. We'll pour you a cup of coffee and see where it goes. Lots of ways for you to be a part of the show. You could text me on the Country Pleasing text line. It's 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number, 885-ESPN. If you need the number itself, it's easy. It's just uh, 885-3776. That's the number to text me on the Country Pleasing text line. And I have a feeling that there are some things that you're going to want to weigh in on. And I hope you do because I need to hear as many opinions as I can hear on it. So we can start to kind of zero in what we think about. We have some potentially, potentially major, major NCAA news. And I am not talking about Mark Emmert stepping down. That's a whole tree falling in the forest. Ain't nobody there. Does it make a sound deal? That's not even what I'm talking about. Yeah. So on the heels of an an announcement yesterday afternoon that Mark Emmert's going to step away from being the president of the uh, NCAA. That's happening in, what, next summer? So still over a year away. That's not even the major, potentially major, NCAA news that was dropped in our lap this morning. And if you haven't heard it, I'm going to get to it, I promise. So we got that coming up. You're going to want to weigh in. First, though, we do need to look back and react to last night. Ole Miss winning the Governor's Cup. They beat State 5-2. to two. We'll get into that game in just a sec. I do want to remind you, you can call me also. That's another way to be a part of the show, and I hope to hear some of your voices today. So call me on the Divinity phone, Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer, Divinity Equipment. The number to call me is a 601 number, 995-1059. Got it? 601-995-1059. That's the Divinity phone. Yeah, all right, so uh, hats off. Ole Miss, boy, they got an outstanding pitching performance last night from several guys. And, I mean, Drew McDaniel got the start for them and only gave up two hits. He gave up a couple of runs. Only one of them was earned. One was an earned run, and that's what State had, one earned run. But Drew McDaniel in the start for Ole Miss pitched five innings, five complete there, Struck out four and just gave up the two hits. Now, the only blemish, he did have five walks that he issued. Faced 22 batters. Five walks. A bunch of flyouts. You know, when you look, State hit the ball in the air a bunch. 
But 91 pitches in five innings, he's super efficient, even though he had walks, uh, five of them. So he had a, a, a nice outing. But then Nichols, this freshman, some of y'all probably even know him, right? He's from. They said he was from Jackson Prep. He goes in there and throws three innings of one-hit baseball. Faced nine batters, struck out two of them, and got four flyouts. And uh, I thought, man, he looked good. A big, tall kid who was mowing people down for three solid innings. Uh, right there. So, um, And then they close it out with Johnson, who uh, walked one, struck out a couple of guys, gave up one hit there in the ninth inning, but able to close it out for Ole Miss. And they get a 5-2 to two win. So the two teams, State and Ole Miss, played each other four times in six days and split them. Two for State in Oxford and two for Ole Miss, one in Oxford, one in Pearl. And then on to the next one. Ole Miss hits the road. They go to Arkansas this weekend. State hits a road, and they go to um, Missouri. Jacob Gonzalez, um, two hits last night. He got it all started for him in the first inning with that big hit. Elko drove in three runs. He only had one hit uh, on the day, a couple of hits for Graham. So pretty much all the production in scoring five runs for Ole Miss came off the bats of their two, three, and four hitters, Gonzalez, Elko, and Graham. And nobody's surprised by that. But maybe the surprise is what Ole Miss pitching was able to do to State. State went in there and got four hits in the ballgame. Matter of fact, two of them came late, I think, in like the eighth and ninth inning. So for the first seven innings of the ballgame, State was sitting there with two hits, and one of them was an infield dribbler. I mean, they just could not put the barrel on the ball last night at the plate for State. Four total hits in the game, did leave seven guys on base. Most of those were guys who walked. And the boys had five walks in the game uh, for State. So they could not swing the bat. And so they'll hit the go- road and go to Missouri. Five to the final. Let's see, notes. They played at Pearl. They announced an attendance of. Get this, Bill. We nailed it yesterday. The official attendance was announced at 7,920. At Trustmark yeah, we Park in Pearl. We were pretty doggone close. See, I'm breaking my arm patting us on the back, Bill. But it ain't yeah, like I can we feel it. It ain't like we get stuff right too often. We need to celebrate it when we do. <laughs> and look, I will admit, okay, I will admit that that's probably one of the major differences on this show as opposed to other sports shows. If you listen to other sports shows, Bill, you notice one thing. They are obsessed with being right about something. <laughs> it's all about, even when they're wrong, how can we make it look like we were right? <laughs> I just want to get close. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just happy if I get close. I don't care one bit. You were wrong. Yeah, so what? What else is new? <laughs> just add that to my list. <laughs> what do you think I am? I mean, okay, so 7,920 and we said there would be between seven and eight thousand people there. <laughs> See what I mean? We were close. We didn't. We didn't try to nail we it exactly. Eight hundred. We were there <laughs> within a few. Yeah, and it was a three-hour ball game because it was low scoring, and there were only a combined eleven hits in the ball game. So the to to all eight thousand. I know I'm rounding it up to all eight thousand people who attended last night. Uh, you enjoyed a beautiful day and great weather to ballpark and a a pitching masterpiece, I guess. I guess. Right. Was it a masterpiece? 
Is that uh, <laughs> is that overstating it, Dad Gummit? I I didn't mean yeah. to overstate it. I don't know if it was a masterpiece. <laughs> Overall hitting, uh, Ole Miss was seven for thirty three in a game last night. It's a two twelve. State was four for twenty nine with a one thirty eight. So that's a one thirty eight averages. So yeah, pitchers. Pitchers had that. And hey, look, okay, before I move on from that, seriously, I know it's a 5 2 game. Hats off. It's a big win for Ole Miss. Uh, that, well, I say big because it's kind of a consequence game. They really, really needed it. But going forward, knowing that both teams are up against it, y'all listen to me. The reality is this because Southern Miss fans right now are snoozing on me because they got a team that's going to host a regional and can host us. They got Omaha Dreams in Hattiesburg right now. So they don't want to hear about us on the bottom. But that's where we are, folks. And that's the reality. Okay, it's just one of those years for State. It happens to be one of those years for Ole Miss. Both teams have work to do. Listen to me. Both teams, State and Ole Miss, have a lot of work to do. Not just a little, a lot. I'm talking about a miraculous sprint to the regular season finish to get into the NCAA tournament. That's the reality. Lots of people are hashing it out, parsing it out, going, well, maybe this, and the RPI doesn't matter as much. No, yeah, listen, you're up against it. State's going to have to have, they got to win a bunch of games here that they aren't expected to win in order to get into the field of 64 in the NCAA tournament. That's where State is, and frankly, Ole Miss in the same boat. Okay, and so I say that to say that it could be really important for each of them to have had some of the pitching outings you had last night. If a guy like Drew McDaniel or a Nichols can repeat the kind of things they did against State's lineup last night, it's huge for Ole Miss potentially going forward, depending on how they run up against people on the weekend, how many pitchers they have to use, and and in midweek stuff also. We've talked about, you know, I mean, Ole Miss still has Southern Miss left in a midweek um, and some others. For State, I thought – you know, outside of three walks, and I know he got roughed up in the top of the first with two runs, but outside of that, Mikey Tepper to go and throw four innings last night for State is his longest outing of the year, and to only give up two hits. He only gives up two hits and strikes out four. Now, he had the three walks. We know walks have been an issue for him, but still, to go out there and throw four innings, face 17 batters, you give up two hits. The longest outing of the year, that could potentially be a a confidence builder for him, but it was a real confidence builder for Cam Tuller, left-hander out of the pen. He looked last night like the player the coaches talked about in the preseason. He'll be our best guy out of the pen. He was our biggest strikeout guy in the fall. He was the hardest to hit for our hitters, blah, 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 on and on. And we hadn't really seen that yet. Well, he goes out there last night against that old Miss lineup, comes out of the pen, Tuller did, goes three and two-thirds, Faced 12 batters and struck out eight of them. Now, it's in a losing effort. Team loses a game. But still, what I'm saying is if you're state and you have to go somehow pull off a miracle in the remaining three weeks of the season here to get yourself, play yourself into the NCAA tournament, you know, as a three seed somewhere, they are going to need this out of Cam Tuller. That right there. When he comes in, he's got to get swings and misses and hit the strike zone. He had like an extra pull the string change of speed on that big sweeping drop-down lefty breaking ball that goes from one batter's box to the other, and because of that, he was getting swings and misses, gets eight strikeouts. He's got to 
they need that from him if they're going to go out here and pull this miracle off and play themselves in. So, yeah, you lose the game, but if you're looking for a positive, that just that might be it. All righty. So there it is. Uh, let me get some text messages. Flowtown and Squirrel and Scott, more bully and Mailman and everybody and all y'all. Let me get to some text messages, and then I'm going to set you up. I want you to hear this, okay? So if you don't hear anything else in the show today, give me give me about five minutes to go through these texts, and then I'm going to tell you this piece of news that came down. It's NCAA stuff that is potential news that is, I mean, it'll make you shake if you understand the impact, okay? I'm going to tell you. First up, Flowtown Ghost texted the show. He said, good interview earlier today. Matt, thank you very much, Flowtown Ghost. Uh, I was on Chuck Oliver's show, which you can hear right uh, here on The Zone. Squirrel texts the show and says, the primary reason I listen, Matt, is because you're so humble. <laughs> thank you, Squirrel. In oh, other words, Lord, it's hard to be humble. <clears throat> when you're perfect in, in every way. Can't wait to look in a mirror. mirror. I get better looking, looking at each day. <laughs> In other words, we listen because you're humble, not because you're accurate. <laughs> I'll take it. I don't care why you listen. Just listen. I wish you'd listen. I used to have a coach who would say that. I just wish you'd listen. <laughs> coach, listen. I am listening. That ain't the issue. The issue is putting it into practice. All right. Uh, thanks, Squirrel. Unnamed Texture says um, that we should celebrate. What are we celebrating, though? Is it we celebrating old Mrs. Wynn? <laughs> oh, oh, the, the prediction. Since we were close. Okay, since we were close on the attendance prediction for the Governor's Cup, he says that we should celebrate with some sonic boom from JSU. I agree. I agree. Hey, Bill, I started dancing around here in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stuff started shaking, and uh -huh. my dog Champ just walked in the door and is looking at me like I'm crazy right now. <laughs> He's got I'm this look on his face like, uh, are we okay? Is, are we okay here? <laughs> Was that an earthquake? <laughs> Was that an earthquake? Here we go. Roll your window down, Jackson. Turn it up to 11. Scott texted the show and he said, Matt, I heard you on the uh, Chuck Oliver show. You did a dadgum good job. Uh, thanks, Scott. I did my best. I just answered the questions as best I could. In generalities, I didn't get specific. <laughs> Big finish. Here we go. If that won't light your fire, Ooh, what a big <laughs> your wood is wet. Uh, more bully text the show. He says it's more about how we need to win. Stop leaving people on base, Dad Gummit. Yeah, state left. 
seven more on base last night. Just looking for some timely hits. Maybe all the timely hits, you know, the the law of averages will kick in more bully, and that'll all balance out, and you'll pile up a bunch of timely hits here in the last few weeks of the season. Uh, Jackson Mailman texts the show, and he says regarding state last night. Why bring in a non-pitcher in a tie game as a first person replacing the starter? I don't get it at all. It was a tie game. Four out of five batters, if not all five batters, Forsyth faced, got a hit, I believe. And then it says, I know he gave up the deciding three runs. Yeah, and so that would have been in the fifth. You got four innings out of Tepper, who left the game. And that top of the uh, fifth inning, in a 2-2 game, in comes... Uh, Lane Forsyth, your starting shortstop last year and and for most of this year, but has been giving you some innings on the mound lately because State's so up against it with pitching injuries. They're having to find somebody, and they've been trying to find him, right? And so he came in, and he's going to face eight, nine, and no, 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 nine, and then the top of the lineup, one and two. So the nine-hole hitter is the first one he's going to, Face and he gives up a single to Chatagnier. He gets a fly out from bench, the leadoff, and then he's got to face the two-hole hitter, Jacob Gonzalez, who doubled to right field. Had a triple his first time up and doubled his next time up. Then Elko singles, drives one in, Graham doubles, and so it was just a hit parade. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to question something on state, that's what you questioned in that game last night. Not necessarily using Forsyth out of the pen, but using him right there in a tie game, you know, especially when you saw what you got from Tuller once you got to him. But, you know, I guess who uh, at this point, I don't know how you question it. Um, they know what they're doing. That's just a fact. Now, we're here to question stuff. I get it. But I trust Fox Hall and those guys. They must have seen something, known something. You know, maybe it was that they just wanted a right-hander out there to face a nine-hole hitter who was a right-handed hitter. And Bench, but but the top of the Ole Miss lineup, I know Gonzalez is a lefty. Is Bench also a lefty? Oh, he's a right-handed hitter, isn't he? So you're facing two righties? Maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. I don't know. That's tough, though, yeah. Especially the way it worked out. You, you have to look back and question that. If you'd gone to Tuller right there, tie game in the fifth maybe you got a different story however the other side of that uh man you know we in a game where you're gonna have to limit the other team we spotlight the pitching the thing is well why do you have to limit the other team well because you're not hitting the ball yourself it's going to be hard to beat any sec team any of them any of them in any ballpark with four hits <laughs> okay so it's almost like are we, if we do that, are we focusing on the wrong thing? But I do think it's okay to question that, especially the way it worked out. Okay. All right. Reset. That's how it worked. On to the weekend. That's how it worked. Here is the big news today, and I have buried it, certainly. This is what you call burying the lead back in the old news business, meaning we talked about the other stuff before we got to the real important stuff. I have sort of kind of buried the lead. Here it is. Now, we're going to have plenty of time to hash this out, but you all need to hear this. Something 
with the NCAA called the Transformation Committee. It is a committee, and hear this, chaired by Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC. Okay, this is not some throwaway deal. This is a very important committee, and what they are working on is very important for the future of college sports. The headline today says, College power brokers are poised to turn the NCAA upside down. The Transformation Committee, it's transforming how the NCAA is structured, is considering, here it is, headline at Sports Illustrated, wholesale changes that would make the NCAA's post-Mark Emmert era a completely different experience. To, again, tell you when they say turn the NCAA upside down. The Transformation Committee is proposing changes that include getting rid of partial scholarships. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Understand the importance and the weight and the significance of this today. And then when we come back, I'm going to give you all the details and a strong opinion on it, too. Listen, a committee that is being run by Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, the most powerful conference, is has put forth and is proposing getting rid of partial scholarships. The potential for college baseball teams to have every player on full scholarship and the entire roster on full scholarship is real and it is present. Details after this. Stick around. And here comes Matt Wyatt up to the plate. The pitch. Whoa! It's a high five! Knocking him out of the park for great sports talk. I'm talking way back! It's the Matt Wyatt Show. All right, it's big news. And I, and I do think it's news, even though it's a proposal, nothing has actually been signed, sealed, stamped, and delivered yet. I think it's just a matter of time. I'm Matt. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agents. Here's how this article at Sports Illustrated starts and in a state here y'all here in mississippi me and you that loves college baseball supports college baseball wants to see it get bigger this is potentially really important for baseball and 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 let's just lay the groundwork on one hand you got football and basketball all the name image and likeness stuff and it seems negative that's a transformation in the NCAA landscape. But this, with the non-full scholarships, the partial scholarship sports, this is transformative legislation, changing the landscape, that is positive, in my opinion, because it's getting it at least up to the level that other sports have been at for years. It's different. It says here, imagine a college sports world where schools are able to offer each baseball player a full scholarship. 
Or try this one out. Uh, imagine a, a college sports world where a football team's on-field coaching staff could be 25 coaches, not nine. What if the transfer portal was open to players for just three months out of the year? All these things are a definite possibility. They could be more than just ideas. The Transformation Committee, it's a group of big shots, y'all. I'd love to know what you think about this. Good, bad, what do you, I mean, you think it should happen. This is a group of big shots now. College leaders. And they've been told, here, you're on this transformation committee, and I want you, we want you to overhaul the NCAA. Modernize the way the NCAA is going to govern over college sports. They are considering revolutionary changes. Some of the comments from athletics directors and administrators around the country upon seeing what this committee wants to do. The reason it carries weight, y'all, is because Greg Sankey is the chair of this committee. He's driving this bus. He's the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. It's going to happen. Let me tell you something about Greg Sankey. He does not waste his time or yours. Unlike other folks involved with the NCAA. Run tell this. Greg Sankey is running college sports right now. He might as well add NCAA president to his job title. Whatever they're going to continue to, pl- to pay Mark Emmert as the president of the NCAA for the next year, he says he's going to step down in June of 2023. They all need to have a powwow and just go ahead and tell him, no, 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 no. You go ahead and get on out of here. I'm not paying you another dime for another week. Because you're doing nothing. Because Sankey is over here running the show, doing your job. They need to just forward that check to him. So let's be clear on that. And people, administrators are taking it seriously, and they're saying things like this, quote, radical change. One athletic director said, it's going to make some heads explode. Let me give you a few things. The Transformation Committee decided to share the concepts in an effort to prepare administrators around the country for this change that is, in their words, impending. It's coming. The reason they're leaking it out there and sharing this is we don't want to be caught off guard because this is major. It's even more, one, one AD, it's even more transformative than many expected. Many people believe last night when Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, announced that he would be stepping down and resigning next June, it's just the first step in transforming this thing from the top down. We all know it's coming. This is very important. It, it is not targeting basketball and football, but you have to understand that in the athletics world, 
This is really significant. It points to what's coming. So listen close. These administrators, insiders, looking at the concepts, people under the promise of anonymity have leaked it out there what they're planning on doing. Here it is. Number one, eliminating scholarship caps on sports that offer only partial scholarships. Number two, abolishing the limitation on the number of coaches per team. Getting rid of it. We're not going to limit you. Hey, baseball, you want to have five coaches, six? Get them. Number three, expanding direct payments from schools to athletes. Y'all, it's a committee chaired by Greg Sankey, commissioner of the SEC. Number four, reconfiguring the recruiting calendar. They're going to get rid of dead periods. Hey, what, you, hey, listen up. You remember that story a couple of weeks ago about Matt Luke stepping away from coaching? I'm done. Been a head coach in the SEC, been an assistant, got a national championship ring. I'm out. See y'all. Done. Walking away from it. Gave a quote, said, if you're not, you know, 30 years old, how do you put up, how do you do this job? Talking about it's for a young man. Guess what they're fixing to get away with? Do away with. They're not even going to have any more dead periods in recruiting. 365-day-a-year recruiting is coming. Number five, implementing closed periods in the NCAA transfer portal. You know why they're doing that? To coincide with no dead period in recruiting? So that coaches can recruit high school players year-round but have dead periods in the NCAA transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a key phrase, okay? And we all need to understand this, too. I'm, this is the portion of the show where I'm passing this news along to you as best I can. These first three items, at least these first three items, this is really important, which is, number one, getting rid of partial scholarships. Two, you can have as many coaches as you want to have. We're not going to, we're, we're going to lift the cap on numbers of coaches. And number three, expanding direct payments from the schools to the athletes. At least those first three things are going to be put in the, here it is, decision-making hands of individual conferences if this is approved. It will be an SEC thing to open up no more partial scholarships to baseball players. Full scholarships if you want to do it. I'll, we're going to allow SEC schools to go as many as 25 full scholarships in baseball. Uh, it would be an SEC decision. You want to have, let's say, four full-time baseball coaches on the field. Okay, that's what we'll do conference-wide. Yeah, well, the, uh, the Big 12 doesn't want to do – okay, fine, they don't have to. They can do three. They can do whatever they want. They're, they can do their own conference. We're doing four or five full-time baseball. You see what I mean? Up to the conference. It ain't an NCAA-level thing. Do you see what's coming? Do you see what this is pointing to? And it would be up to the SEC deciding how they're going to expand direct financial payments from schools to athletes. 
What if the SEC's deal is bigger and better than another conference? Well, so what? According to NCAA bylaws, a conference can decide what it wants to do. Conferences governing themselves. We are headed for a major, major split and breakaway from conferences and schools in those conferences with resources, money, 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 versus schools and conferences that don't have it. We're headed for a major breakaway. Nick texts the show on the country-pleasing text line. It says this 100% needs to happen. A guy like Landon Sims should never have to pay for school. At the same time, as a third-string right tackle gets to go for free. Also, he says, watch how fast Vandy falls if this happens. Their big advantage disappears just like that. Unnamed texter followed it up and said, I hope Vandy enjoyed the advantage while it lasted. Well, maybe so. I mean, it could be right, like the advantage. It doesn't mean they still can't, they wouldn't be able to compete. They actually would. It just, so would everybody else. That can't afford it, which happens to be every SEC team can't afford it. Because there is a Title IX element. This Right now, Title IX exists. If you do this soon, whatever number of athletic scholarships you're giving out to male athletes, you got to do it to female also. And the SEC can afford that also. You'll see expanded opportunities for female athletes. You'll see more women's sports popping up at schools that they didn't even have it because of this. And because places like the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten can't afford it and do want to do it. Things are changing fast. And what do you think? Stick around. He's going all the way. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. With playoff caliber sports talk, it's the Matt Wyatt Show. Three minutes on your life right now. Change is coming, says another athletic director on hand for the committee's three-hour presentation Monday in Dallas. It happened two days ago in Dallas, Texas. The Transformation Committee, chaired by... Greg Sankey, commissioner of the SEC, put forth these ideas of things that they are suggesting. And it shook everybody up. Because it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Welcome back. I'm Matt in the Bureau of the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. You can text me at uh, on the Country Pleasing text line, Country Pleasing Sausage, 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number. Bill, I'm out of sausage, by the way. Uh-oh. Man, I am out. <laughs> so it's death, taxes, change, and Matt ran out of sausage. <laughs> I ran out of sausage. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did the homecoming queen go to the store? Uh-oh. Look Did out, you man. buy some more sausage? Oh. Did you really? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Yeah, she gets a pamper for that. That's it. And she got me a new stick of chapstick because I'm out. Uh-oh. So she takes oh. care of me. Yeah, I, I had um, a package of green onion. Oh. You know, green onion. And I finished it this morning. And I went to the freezer. You know my new freezer? Oh, no. That's, yeah, and I look in there. And it's I don't have any else. I thought I had some more. But anyhow. 
Y'all text me on that note, 885-ESPN, 885-3776. better uh, track of all that stuff. That's right. Okay, and I'm coming to your text. You can call me also. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the phone line, Divinity Equipment phone, 995-1059. The quote from an athletics director who saw the presentation, quote, change is coming. We better get prepared. We shouldn't be shocked if this all does happen. Transformation Committee made the presentation about the future of the NCAA. One quote from an athletics director. It's going to make some heads explode. Another quote. It's radical, the change. Let me give you some more. One um, group of five athletics director who attended the presentation. Quote, every group of five athletics director is like, oh my goodness. Transformation Committee, chaired by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and Ohio uh, Athletics Director Julie Cromer, were tasked by Emmert and the executive group to rewrite Division I policies by this August. And now, some believe the process will stretch into the fall. One Power 5 AD... Now listen, do you remember okay, and, and it's 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 easy to get off on side conversations with this, but if you'll remember the last couple of days, I was lamenting not being able to wrap my head around some of the changes that pertain to football, for instance, and I said this. I said, if they would just break away and say, We're signing all of our athletes to contracts. We're going to pay them contracts, like pros, like him treat them like employees. At least I can wrap my head around it because I know what it is. Here's a quote after the presentation on Monday by Greg Sankey and his people. One Power 5 AD said this, It doesn't work in the collegiate model. It works professionally. There are drafts and salary caps. That's how radical some of this stuff is. And it's going to happen. A group of five associate athletics director gave this quote. The gap is going to continue to widen. What is this going to look like a year from now? Let me give you another one. And then this is going to drive it home for us here in Mississippi from a baseball perspective. And then I'm going to let you hear something. And then I'm coming to your text. Here it is. It's part of the story. This is one example, obviously. It makes the distinction between headcount sports and equivalency sports. Those of you who've watched my documentary from this time last year called Uneven Baseball, Uneven, unevenbaseball.com, or just Google Uneven Baseball, you'll see what that information is. It takes you about 40 minutes, and you'll know it. It said this in the story. For example, the NCAA maximum scholarships allowed in baseball is 11.7 for a roster of 35 people, a figure that's often criticized by high-level baseball playing schools from rich conferences that want to spend more. And here's the key. Under the Transformation Committee's plan, a school could conceivably offer 35 full scholarships in baseball. It, you know, it lifts the number of coaches. NCAA rules currently restrict the number of coaches by sport. For instance, a football team can have no more 
than 11 coaches, that's 10 assistants and one head coach. A basketball team can have no more than four, that's three assistants and one head coach. This proposal says we're getting rid of that. You want coaches? Hire them, pay them, I don't care. Put them on the top row, put them on the first row, don't care. Or we're going to add more coaches per sport in the SEC, and we don't care what other what the other conferences are doing. Now, in the uneven baseball movie I made last spring, this was a quote from Greg Sankey. He said, I'm uncomfortable that we have coaches in living rooms negotiating percentages of scholarships. Here is also a quote one year ago in my interview with Greg Sankey for that uneven baseball. How do we adapt to a changing environment, I think, is a really important question in college sports, whether it's transfer issues, name, image, likeness issues, expectations that are changing of, of how we support our programs, but also the nature of scholarship. So I've been clear saying we should be looking at moving past the old days of equivalency scholarships. I think this conversation starts there. Do you remember this time last year I played that for you then and told you I, it's not insignificant when somebody like Greg Sankey says this. When a commissioner of the SEC is publicly saying in an interview and he knows it's available for anybody to see it, when he says we should be moving past the old equivalency model of scholarships. We should be looking at moving past the old days of equivalency scholarships. I think this conversation starts there. That's a precursor to what we have now. One year later, intentionally releasing some of the recommendations of this transformation committee chaired by that guy you just heard who effectively is running all of college sports. He's the only real leader out there. Mark Emmert is just a name. Whatever they're paying Mark Emmert now or for the next year until he retires, they ought to be paying Sankey because Sankey's doing the job. And even a year ago, he said, we should be looking at moving past it. It's an old model. And here we are. They propose it, and it's coming. And I, for one, am really happy to see it. Troll Tide texted the show. He says two things. Number one, Vandy won't fade away any more than they have in the last 10 years. And I don't, I, Troll Tide, I'm the same way. I mean, just because, I mean, the ability to have as many scholars, full scholarships on the baseball team as the conference will allow you to have doesn't hurt Vanderbilt at all. It's just that they've been able to do some stuff others couldn't. I, and I don't know that they they're not going to fade away. They have too strong of a program, too good of a coach. Now, Troll Tide also said, number two, coaches, welcome to the real world. Police officers, firemen, child welfare workers, anyone who works in a hospital, et cetera, knows that it never ends and it's always something. At least the 24-7 world of coaches will actually get adequate pay, unlike a lot of the other high-stress workers. And I think what you're – I'm taking that as Troll Tide is the fact that recruiting 365 days a year, there are no dead periods. You can take vacation, but other people may still be working. When you're on vacation, right? I mean, that's what you're saying is the real world. And I, and I do get that. 
And he went on to say in his text, my son played baseball at Millsaps, and I very much enjoyed the scaled-back level of stress and pressure. It's a different atmosphere, I think, for the better, much more enjoyable. And I, and I can get that. I totally can get it, you know, depending on what your previous perspective on this stuff is. I just think, um, you know, the, the portal thing, too. I, I I didn't even really touch on that as much. That's one of the third things that they're touching on here in this proposal is to not only open up, have no dead periods in recruiting of high school athletes, but to have a closed, a long period of closed period for the transfer portal. Like it's only open three months out of the year where names go in and people come out. So what it does is, like I said, if that were to go through, it looks to me like they're wanting to push coaches and programs and schools to continue to recruit high school athletes and bring them up to college and give them those scholarships, give them those opportunities. And there's only three months out of the year that you'd be accessing the portal, either players going in or coaches getting guys out. And I'm just okay with that because, well, here's what we do know. The, the portal conversations are going on year-round anyway. Jimbo Fisher called it tampering. I don't think it's the right word. There's really no penalty for it. Tampering, it, you know, intimates that something illegal is going on. It's tampering in the NFL, but not in the college stuff because what? Coaches are talking to this kid's high school coach year-round. I don't have to talk directly to the kid. I can talk to his mom or dad year-round. So even though, like... I know even before the portal window is open, so-and-so's going in, and we're going to be able to get him when he comes out. That stuff still is going to go on. But I like the idea that coaches and programs are going to spend their time evaluating and getting to know and recruiting high schools, and maybe if this forces that to take place a little more, I'm okay with that. But getting rid of partial scholarships, especially in a conference like the SEC, it is the right thing to do, and Greg Sankey is leading the way. Stick around.